We're going to get to draft stuff. We're going to talk about Malik Willis, the Vikings draft philosophy, the Vikings draft misses. But I want to offer this today on the Viking Update show. The Vikings haven't ever been on hard knocks, John. And I'm just sitting here regretting that hard knocks didn't do a Burnsy summer or a Denny Green summer, even a chilly summer, or and especially a Tice summer. summer. Tice would have like done soft shoe dances for the cameras. Tice would have would have done stand up routine. He would have been Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> I mean, we've missed some great opportunities here. Some enormous opportunities. I mean, I'm just trying to think of all of the possibilities. I mean, once Childress, it, it, you obviously think about the one when Favre will he won't he when there was allegedly mm. a, a Camaro speeding through Mankato with Favre uh, in the shotgun seat as you know, before he arrived that first training camp and how much of a of an unbelievable hard knocks episode that would be. I mean, but also just even before Chile got there, that last Tice run was an epic, epic training camp. Like, I mean, the beer drinking at nine in the morning, the uh, the 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 I think 93x the morning show was there you know you had all sorts of you know just rock and roll every night you would just walk across the street to boomtown and there'd be 20 vikings in the bar and coaches and stuff and and tons of just fans and stuff playing out around there Judd Zolgad and myself running around Mankato um at that time would have been an episode in and of itself um yeah I just I I wish we could somehow take a time capsule back there and film that because uh, there had been a lot of a lot of people implicated in things, but uh, it would have been worth it. Highly entertaining. I, you know, I mean, I covered the Vikings for a while and we did the hard, hard knocks when Keith Millard was running into the uh, <laughs> Burger King stanchion and then getting out of his car and sprinting back to Gage Hall. Uh, Demetrius Underwood not, you know, leaving camp. Uh, Corn Robinson, Corn Robinson, speeding through Saint Peter's. Uh, my God, yeah, the far both far of summers. Um, I mean, it's remarkable what happened there. I mean, and you talk about uh, you know we we are of different ages, so you talk about going over to Boomtown and seeing all the Viking people hanging out. I my favorite memory is you know in my days on the beat, I would go to the Albatross which is like the only place in town at that time to really go drink and hang out late at night. And it would be half Mankato State, that's what it was called back then, Mankato State students, half Vikings people. And my favorite thing was at 10.52, (laughs) all the Vikings people would head out the door because they knew it took eight minutes to walk back to Gage Hall. And all the Mankato State football players would come out of the shadows and pretend they were Viking players to hit on girls. I mean, <laughs> there are so many layers of that onion that you can peel, Jim. I mean, and and just so you know, like the albatross became Boomtown. So it, right. it, like they're, right. they're the same thing. But yeah, so so we kind of went to the same the same exact area. But there's that huge parking lot right in the in the in front of it all. And then you had the American right next door. Um and where Denny so, Green used to stay, by the way, where where Denny Green used to stay, where the Wilfs stayed their first time that they that they took over uh, ownership of the team in that crazy summer with Tice, and I have to think that that opened some eyes into what kind of operation that they were uh, inheriting because 
there were plenty of big, loud parties in the American that I was in after hours after Boomtown shut down. And I have to imagine that the Wolves were thinking, what did we get ourselves into? But, um, you know, uh, it's just like those were the days. I mean, that's what I do miss that now, obviously. One thing I love about training camp being an Egan now is that I can sleep in my own bed and see my family at night and all that. But back then I was a young single kid. Like I didn't have a family to get back to. So to go down to Mankato and to just like tear it up the way that the team did, the way that the media did, the way that everyone did back then, um, it was a different era. There is not that same vibe nowadays. And I hate to sound like I'm sounding like the old guy, but that's true. Like it just, it was wild. Like, I mean, you know, thinking of all the alcohol I was sweating out at 8.30, 9 a.m. for that first uh, morning practice the next day after going out and sweltering hot and all of that stuff. I mean, there's it, it was the Wild West. Absolutely. there Everything was on the table. And uh, and and those were days that just beckoned for hard knocks. I think uh, Campbell and Detroit will will probably be entertaining, but nothing like those days would have been. No, and he's going to try to be. And he's going to say things like biting kneecaps yes. and all that stuff. It's going to be staged. Uh, we and, and the great thing is most of the people we're talking about would not have wanted to be on Hard Knocks, but would have nope. been great on Hard Knocks. Tice would have loved it. Tice would have come up with comedy routines. I I, would, I still remember. Have, absolutely. I, I still remember. I, I, you know, I covered the Vikings. I covered the Twins. I did some feature writing, some Enterprise stuff. And I you know, got the column job. And I knew Tice. Tice and I would go drink at the Albatross. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. I met him. I didn't meet him doing interviews on the field. I met him drinking at the Albatross. And he told me he would sit there and scribble like the Washington offense on, on cocktail napkins and explain the offense to me. And so Tyson and I, you know, we're pretty, we were pretty tight back then. And then Tyson becomes a head coach. I become a columnist. One of my first columns I make, I, I uh, wrote about the fact that, you know, Tyson always had the pencil above his ear, but never seemed to write anything down. You know, just a, just a <laughs> gratuitous little silly cheap shot. Right. Yeah. I walk out to the practice field the next day and it's the entire organizations out there, the, you know, filling up two practice fields, uh, you know, tons of media people, some probably some fans hanging out, whatever. Tice from 200 yards away sees me, turns and goes, Suhan, stop making fun of my pencil. <laughs> just like Vince Lombardi would have done. You know, I mean, just like yes. every great NFL coach would have done. They would have yelled at the, <laughs> the writer 200 yards away for mentioning the pencil above his ear. Well, and and like I was there the one of the years that I was there and he was coaching. Um, you know, he we were kind of right by the fan area where the fans sit the to the field closest to the fans. And then you, you remember, obviously, in those days in Mankato, um, there'd be like a VIP section where some fans would get allowed onto the practice field, and like sit by or stand in the end zone and, and get to watch really up close. And I don't know, like if they're seeing ticket holders or whatever it was. Um, but uh, the, the, the Tice was overseeing a, an offensive line drill and it was just like this little, just, it was a walkthrough. It was a morning walkthrough thing. They were kind of just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Tice, got a little ornery for whatever reason and wanted to jumpstart things. So he pulled one of the starting guards out of the drill, grabbed a fan who was built like a fire hydrant, like probably five, six, 225 pounds, just this round fan and put him in the I walkthrough. Remember that. 
drilled. Were you there? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and I mean, that's the kind of thing that he did all the time. And I mean, just imagine that fan being interviewed on hard knocks, which you know would have happened and Tice would not have cared. And like all of that kind of just organic material that wasn't staged or wasn't even necessarily, you know, part of the football part of it, but the ancillary ridiculousness would have made for you could have made a a netflix series out of it and you know not just a not just a like a whatever six episode run in in august you could have made that thing into you know the hbo first in 10 that used to be way back in the day so uh i such an opportunity missed for 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 that technology to come along a little too late i also remember uh, you know i covered studwell as a beat writer and studwell is very just very just didn't want to talk. You know, he got yeah. so intense on the season. He couldn't stand it. He also didn't like the fact that, you know, media would call the team underachieving and he felt he was an overachiever, which is true. He was an overachiever. Uh, and so, so Dave Hoffman, my, the late Dave Hoffman, my friend uh, took me and Studwell out drinking to kind of bury the hatchet. And I remember coming out for the practice the next day. And one of the greatest badges of honor in my life was that Studwell was absolutely as hungover as I was. We were just standing there <laughs> wobbling, just like just hoping the sun would bake the booze out of our systems. That's all. Oh, that's man. that was it. That was the perfect therapy. Sit outside and bake, and and it was you know ninety two degrees with hundred and fifty percent humidity at that time, and uh, and you just had to sit there and and just sweat, and then you went and ate Chipotle, and then were miserable for two more days after that. Oh man, and I I predated Chipotle. That's how old I was. <laughs> hey, he's John Krasinski. I'm Jim Suhan. This is the Viking Update Show. This is one of our two NFL shows at TalkNorth.com. Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider is the other one. Check that out as well. We recommend subscribing your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. You can always find the shows, the archives of the shows, our outdoor content, a variety of content, the rest of the sports content at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, StarBank, StarBank.net, and Aquarius Home Services. All right, so let's actually talk some current football. Uh, Do you think that they've done enough at offensive line and cornerback that they don't have to be desperate about those positions in the draft? Or do you think they're just going to feel obligated to draft those positions high? Anyway, well, I, I mean, I hope they don't feel obligated um, because I, I just I'm sure we'll get to it. But I think like it, it, this is the best player available situation. And if there's another position, a, you know, quote, you know, a hint, hint, very, 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 very important position. Maybe you look at that as well. But um, I guess they have added some depth at both positions. But I don't you know, getting Patrick Peterson back, I think, was a big big thing just in terms of veteran stability and in terms of a player who you can really rely on in a, in a bigger, more significant role uh, at, at cornerback, the, the offensive line, I'm underwhelmed by it. I mean, I, I think that it seems like unless they have found guys who just will fit much better in this system and perform much better in this system, it feels like they've swapped out, you know, one, uh, area of weakness and brought in guys who are just have similar weaknesses, but have a different name on the back of their Jersey. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think that if, if there is an offensive lineman, uh, particularly a guard that they really like, uh, that, that fits, whether it's at 12 or, or in the, in the second round or whatever, I think they probably should go pretty high at that because 
those the other guys that they've brought in are just their depth guys. They're 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 decent holdover guys, and so um, I I don't think that any of the moves that they have made should pre, should get them to say yes, we've got enough here, so we can move on to another position. Um, but at least they have added some warm bodies so that maybe they, like they don't have to feel obligated as you were like they don't have to say we have to go get a corner at 12 we have to go get an offensive lineman at 12 they can be a little bit more flexible but i don't think anyone's under the illusion that they've solved their problems with with the guys that they've brought in no and for people who will pound the table say they have to draft a cornerback at 12 or they have to draft an offensive lineman at 12 you know what happens when you draft somebody who isn't worthy of the position is you end up with needs everywhere. It's that they yes. they drafted Garrett Bradbury to fix the center position, and he hasn't fixed the center position, so they spent a first round pick on somebody who just isn't that good. And same thing with Gladney and Dantzler. You know they drafted two cornerbacks, they're supposed to be the two starting cornerbacks for five to ten years, and neither of them are starting cornerbacks, so they have to go draft more. You have you have to get a good player. And the Vikings are the greatest example of this, I think, in, in, in league history. Uh, they didn't need Randy Moss, right. but they could sure use Randy Moss. They might not have needed Je- Justin Jefferson, but they sure can use Justin. You, you want to get Peterson. a great player. Adrian Peterson. you got to get the player who elevates your franchise and makes everybody around him better, not the player who just can can you know fill in a position. Well, yeah, and especially with, with, with this team, Jim, where they're coming off of like – I, I, they have talent on the roster, of course, but I just don't feel like this is a situation where you look at this roster and you say, if we can plug this hole right here, it's Super Bowl homeboy. Like, I, I just don't think that they're there. And so, um, you know, you look at like, Pick a team, Tampa Bay, wherever. Like they all, they all have a bunch of just loaded talent up and down the roster, and say, okay, we need this guy here, so we're picking him at twenty-eight. Like I think the Vikings picking at twelve says that they're far enough away that they need multiple really talented players at a, a number of positions, and so I still think that you just have to go for talent. Um, in the Vikings situation, because they are they're, they're not going to be the okay. We got this guy in round one. We can slot him in at right guard or slot him in at uh, at cornerback or whatever. And and our problems are solved. We're definitely a division champion. We're definitely going to be in the hunt for a deep playoff run. They're not there. So in the absence of that, if you are not there, if you're not one of those teams, then you just have to grab the most talent you can possibly get provided it's not you know just a completely redundant skill set i just think go talent go big or go home big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services i'd like to tell you about star bank star bank is an independent community bank in minnesota they're family owned and treat customer relationships as the top priority you're not a customer number at star bank and they have no call center it's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good old days Mobile app, check, convenient services. You got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with the local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Also, we want to thank Aquarius Home Services, which sponsors several shows across the TalkNorth.com platform. 
Hey, it's Russo over at the Worst Seats in the House podcast. Did you know that Aquarius Home Services is your one-stop shop for all your home service needs? That's right. Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior five-star quality service. They respect you, your time, and your home with attention to details that really make a difference. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns about your water heating and cooling, plumbing or electrical, Aquarius Home Services is here to help. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com for more details. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. I don't want to talk about Malik Willis every week. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about Malik Willis <laughs> every week. I just, I, I, I just look at, you know, listen, there's probably, there's probably, there might be a great cornerback they can get at 12. There are three really good cornerbacks that should, could go at the top of the draft. There, it's a really deep, uh, draft for wide receivers. It might be Justin Jefferson sitting there waiting for you. Of course, you always need a pass rusher. Uh, of course, they have other flaws on their roster, including offensive line. But man, uh, the more I hear about Malik Willis, the more I go, oh, please, just let him fall to 12. Let them take him and let him be the entire future of the franchise. Yeah, and and he, this is one of those cases, Jim, where it, it's a little hard for me to get a read because I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read one mock draft that has him going fourth, and then I'll read another one that has him going 30th. Like there does seem to be a really wide disparity on exactly what's going to happen. So that's just to say that I don't think it is gratuitous of us to be talking about Malik Willis because I think there's a real chance that he could be there at 12. Like this isn't saying, this isn't like last year going in and saying, oh man, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is there, you know, you, right. you, gotta, you gotta make that pick like because he's not gonna be there. But there is a real chance that Malik Willis will be there at number 12 for the Vikings. And, you know, what I would just say is I, I do not know if Malik Willis is going to be the next, you know, Dante Culpepper who doesn't get injured or the next Jamarcus Russell, uh, Cade McNown, you know, pick your bust uh, of a quarterback that the Christian Ponder that, that comes in and just doesn't do anything. Um, but to me, the biggest thing that the Vikings have to answer in this draft preparation period is, do they believe that Malik Willis is a home run hitter, eventual star quarterback in this league? And if their evaluation tells them that, yes, we think Malik Willis has the potential to develop into a franchise quarterback you have to take him. That's my opinion. You absolutely have to take this guy because it might even be perfect for the timing of this whole equation because let's just say that, hey, he went to Liberty. He needs you know, some seasoning. He needs some grooming. You have cousins for another two years. This could be perfect. At least give him a full year and then see what happens. But if he needs two, he needs two. And then you just develop him into like the the guy to chain your franchise to for the next 10 years after that, the next 12, 14 years after that. That to me is quarterback in this day and age is just way too important of a position. It is the field tilting position. And so if you say this can be a guy who in three to four years is going to be a perennial pro, pro bowl candidate all pro candidate, a leader of a franchise, my gosh, I mean, take him because there's always another cornerback to take. There's always another offensive lineman to take. 
There's always another safety pass rusher, whatever it is, but there are few and far between the quarterbacks that can really change the fortunes of a franchise. And if you think he's that guy, take him and don't even think twice about it. And what I like is I keep hearing good things about his character, his coachability, yes. and there's no doubt about the measurables, uh, his athletic ability, his running ability, his arm strength. Now, listen, uh, it's the hard, quarterback. NFL quarterback is the hardest position to play in any sport. It doesn't guarantee that he's going to be successful. Nothing guarantees that somebody you take at 12 is going to be uh, a great quarterback. But, man, I would just have trouble not taking this shot. And the other thing is that, you know, not only is it the most important position in the NFL, and if, as you said, the field t- tilting position in the NFL, but there's no greater advantage for an NFL team than having a good young quarterback on a rookie deal that allows you to spend money at other positions. It does, especially when you, yeah, like, I mean, we just talked about how they do kind of have needs all over the place. Um, their roster is a work in progress and and Quasi Adolfo Mensa said it the other week just like a competitive rebuild I mean that's the way that he kind of is looking at it and and so that that tells me that they know that they have a lot of areas to address and so you know again if you get back to the the, the case where you are not one player away from being a deep playoff team which I, I just don't think the Vikings are that's when you have to look at what is the potential of each player you take to develop into the kind of star that is, is going to be needed going forward? And um, if if Malik Willis's personality and makeup and leadership is on par with what everyone seems to be saying it is, and then you give him time to develop more of an understanding of the defenses that he's going to face and and, and kind of just reps in practice of, of of changing the way that he's going to have to play at the pro level versus the college level. I mean, that to me is the perfect scenario for him to develop. I mean, I think like it might, it would probably be, he probably has less of a chance of succeeding if he goes really, really high to a team that is, you know, let's say, let's say Detroit or whoever it is, who's there's going to be pressure on him to play right away. And maybe you throw him out there and you're just like, oh man, this, this is too much too soon for this kid. But you, the Vikings do have a, an environment that is an ideal incubator incubator for a young quarterback to come in. He can stay behind Kirk cousins and watch him play and just learn and soak up and prepare and work out and change everything that he needs to change. And then in a year or two, maybe he's he can be ready to just to hit the ground running. And like you said, then you have a couple of years of him at a cheap contract and you surround him with real talent again that gives him an opportunity to be successful, not just your team, but you you know you, you have the Jeffersons of the world, you beef up the offensive line, you give him a better defense. Who knows? We'll see what happens at running back and all that. But you have you have several years to sort of build a roster around a player like that. And that just puts, you know, every, that gives everyone a chance to be successful much more than if you were to rush someone in and have to have him start much more if you just play it out with Kirk Cousins over the next couple of years. And then you're like, uh oh, we better go get a quarterback. Um that it just it all of that is set up so that it's you know just a great great scenario for Malik Willis and the Vikings now all of that said 
if Jamal Stevenson and Ryan Monins and Quazy Odell Mensa and Kevin O'Connell and everyone is looking at this tape and doing their due diligence and saying, you know what, Malik Willis isn't the guy. Like, we just do not think he's there. We don't think he's going to get there. There are real glaring issues that we have with, you know, his, with our evaluations of him in, in one way or another. Well, then you don't force it. You don't, don't, you don't do the Christian ponder and say, we need a quarterback of the future, so we're taking one right here. Don't force it at all. But if, if you have that intel that this guy has that kind of potential, I don't see how you pass him up. Correct. Yeah. And, that, and that's always the X factor in draft evaluations is we don't know what the team really thinks internally and they might hate him. You know, we just don't know that. Uh, but man, I like everything I hear. And you, you said something interesting. You said you've seen mock drafts where he goes you know, fourth and mock drafts where he goes like 30th. I actually think that's for a good reason. Um, I think that there are quarterback needy teams near the top of the draft that very well could take him way before most people think he would go. I also think if he gets past a certain point, like if he gets past 12, he could fall to, you know, until you hit another team that needs a quarterback like the Steelers, somebody like that. So I think there's, and that's the interesting thing is the Vikings, you know, the Vikings very well. He could fall to 12 or he could be gone seven picks before they even have a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be the, I think it is going to be the one, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest storylines of draft day is where, what is happening with him and with, I guess, Kenny Pickett is the other guy who, the other quarterback who could be right in the mix to get selected as well. But where those quarterbacks go is going to just be a hugely compelling angle for, for watching how this whole thing shakes out. And, um, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, a mock draft up today from Bruce Feldman, the college, you know, our college writer, who's so great. Um, and he has Jermaine Johnson from Florida state, a defensive end going to the Vikings at 12. He has Malik Willis going at 30. Yeah. So y- you could see that happening. There was some early steam. I don't know, a month ago that maybe Willis is the second pick to Detroit. Um, and so it's, it's going to be all over the map and it, it does feel like there could be a situation where it really could, does surprise you. Maybe a team trades up to 11 or something like that and and goes i mean uh feldman has the carolina panthers taking kenny pickett at six which that seems kind of high um but maybe not um so um it it, it, there's just a lot of unpredictability with this because there's unpredictability with the talent that they have i mean let's say you know malik willis isn't the perfect prospect neither is kenny pickett and and they're not like the, the the traditional you know quote unquote can't miss guys um, that, that are, that are quarterbacks. Um, and, and a lot of those quarterbacks miss too. So it's a very hard evaluation. There's a lot that goes into it. And I could really literally, I could see any scenario happening where Malik Willis goes very, very high or, you know, just falls off the table and, and, and the Steelers get Ben Roethlisberger's heir apparent, uh, at, at the end of the first round. I just I would hate to see them take Malik Willis and not have Sean Mannion on the roster though. That would just oh, I, I man, just that why anybody would buy a ticket. Well, or or the other part of it, Jim, is I'd I just hate to like have Kirk Cousins feel a little threatened. Oh, like, we can't have be Kirk, Kirk uncomfortable. Like, no, no. Like he, both you have of those to pay him things, another thirty million dollars just to just to make him feel good. Yeah, both of those things would be awful. Like I just I I would really hate to see either one of those things, and that should be one of the biggest priorities for the Vikings is keeping Kirk comfortable and also 
making sure that Sean Mannion is a part of this roster some way, somehow. Final thought coming up. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you to TSR Indralaw. Thank you to Aquarius Home Services. And thank you to Starbank, starbank.net. Uh, I just know that they can't draft Kenny Pickett. We cannot have another quarterback with small hands. Small hands, absolutely. But, you know, it, it's just uh, I, I, I don't know – I've, I've watched a little bit of highlight reels on Kenny Pickett. I just like saying Kenny Pickett. You know, it's kind of like great, Teddy Bridgewater, you know? Or Joe Montana. Great, yeah, Terry it's Bright. a great I mean, all the, all the great quarterback names just roll off the tongue. And and all the great quarterback names, you never want to use just the one name. It's always Joe Montana like it's one word. Yes, yes, yep. And it, and it feels like, you know, it, it feels like Kenny Pickett just it makes you smile when you say it. And so – if for that alone, that would be my evaluation. That's how I would look at these these quarterbacks. I like to say Kenny Pickett. That's my guy. I'm taking him. It's as good a reason as <laughs> well. You know, in a league where Troy Williamson got drafted really high, I think that's as good a reason as any I've heard. Uh, so let's go. Why not? It. 